0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. This is Robert Lamb.
0: And I'm Julie Douglas. And Robert, I've got a, a burning question for you.
1: All right, fire off.
0: I would like to know if you have ever tasted hu Hufu?
1: hu um, I'm not sure I know what that is.
0: Well, I hope that you're going to say no. Because, okay. well, it's non-existent, actually. So that's the first thing. Okay. Cause otherwise I, I would worry a little bit if you said yes. It's, uh, it's actually a spoof product and it was uh, supposedly supposed to be a soy-based food product designed to resemble human flesh and taste and texture. Hmm. And so the website it was up uh, for about a year, maybe 2005, 2006. And, it had all these great products that you just never could buy. So if you wanted, you know, if you were really wanting a, a finger mm-hmm. or an arm or something, uh, but didn't necessarily want to okay, so, cannibalize someone, you could, in theory,
1: order this. So did they replicate really. They replicated the taste or the form? The taste and the texture. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm. Mean, you know, uh, if, if you really get logical about it, I'm not sure there's anything that weird about it. Not compared to, say... Um, well, okay, you're a vegetarian, right? Yes. Okay. Do you ever have like sausage, or like a, a soy dog, or you know, or any kind of uh, you I know, or whatever? Yeah,
0: I have like meat simulated products. We'll
1: see. Like that seems like, I mean, it, it's not unlike that. You you don't want to actually eat meat, but you're okay with something that and yet, resembles the taste. And, yeah,
0: and oh, yet there's a disconnect because sometimes when I pull out a a piece of what's supposed to be bacon and I look at it and I it, it's a little disconcerting. Yeah. So I'm frying up the bacon and yet I don't eat bacon and I don't necessarily want bacon. Mhm. But I do have to say there is that that bacon taste that you can never really replicate. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well even if you're but I guess even if you're frying up some soy bacon, it it is going to look like bacon and not say like a pig's face. Like you can't get a soy pig face, right? Maybe you can. Maybe it's a special actually, order thing, but it's it's, there, it's, it's going to be a small Asian market, market
0: <laughs> that may actually carry that. Oh wow! They do some pretty funky stuff with it.
1: So, this you know, in in, in discussing like why is this creepy and this not you know, uh, with the with the hufu. I mean, that really comes down to the basic question about cannibalism in uh, in nature as a whole, right? Uh, because it's it's one of those things when you really look at it, there's kind of like the animal version and then. Well, there's really only the animal version. But we there, hope. Yes. Well, but but on top of the animal version, um, and, and this is like, you know, as cannibalism relates to just any kind of creature you might, fi- might find that practices it, and a lot of animals practice it, um, if you layer human culture and human society and our complex web of uh, emotions and values on top of that, it just really complicates the matter. And you get into this, this area where cannibalism is really this, I mean, it's just, and, you know, it's, it's an outrageous thing. It's like, it, it, it raises outrage from people.
0: For it, us who, yeah. who like to think that we have morals and, uh, social values and we all cooperate with each other. We, we try not to eat each other. Yeah. Humans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I found this great uh, quote from, uh, Tom Sorrell from the University of Birmingham. And uh, he said quote, "In intellectual history, cannibals stand for alien and exotic human beings, specimens of our species who realize its darkest possibilities, usually in places far removed from civilization. Cannibalism, cannibalism both expresses natural law and and uh, contravenes it. so
0: uh, right. so yeah. there, the, there's the, the rub, right? Yeah. I mean it happens in nature, and it's perfectly natural there, right? Yeah, but- and yet we can't help but wince a little bit.
1: Yeah, you hear but you know, you start hearing that somebody's like, ser- you know, grinding up corpses, uh, you know, to serve in the restaurant, people just get outraged. There's a great Money Python skit where it involves like grinding up corpses and and <laughs> and feeding it to people. And it's like the um, they break the fourth wall and like the, the audience just starts throwing things. You know, it's 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 that outrageous a concept.
0: Right. Right. You, you want to know where your meat pie came from. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's very, like I say, it's very widespread in the animal kingdom, and it is a uh, major mortality factor uh, in the biology of numerous species. So we're going to sort of walk through the, we're not really going to go with pros and cons, but first of all, we're going to look at the case for cannibalism in nature and some of the ways that it's practiced. And then we're going to look at uh, the case against. And for the most part, we're going to avoid the whole... uh, uh, question of cannibalism um, within the larger human institution, but uh, we do have an excellent article on the uh, website by Josh Clark about that. So I highly recommend checking that out if you want to get more into the, uh, you know, the serial killer uh, cannibal topics.
0: Right, or endocannibalism. Yeah, all the different types of cannibalism that exists.
1: All right. So um, th- the big thing for me when I when I was researching this is it. A lot of it really comes down to energy. Right. Right. Because if you're an organism on this planet, uh, unless you're a plant that's generating a lot of its energy from uh, pho- through photosynthesis, uh, and even that, you're not. Not all the energy is necessarily coming from the sun. But uh, for the rest of us, we're having to consume other little bundles of energy to uh, to keep our energy going. So we're having to eat other organisms. Now we may we might not eat. Um, you know, we might only eat plants, or we might only eat animals. But we're having to eat something. So it's this constant, this is this huge pyramid, you know, uh, of of predators uh, uh, preying on other forms of energy.
0: Right. And even bugs. Let's not discount bugs. Some people oh, yes. eat bugs and they like them quite a bit.
1: They're, well, they're supposedly quite good. I've never had one. Have yeah. you had a bug?
0: No, no. But isn't, I think it's a street food in Vietnam.
1: Yeah. Supposed, there was supposedly some in Thailand. I didn't get to try it when I was there.
0: Yeah. But. It's supposed to be incredibly nutritious. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I'd try it if I if I had the chance, but it's never offered on you know the, the local menus.
0: No, it's not here
1: in Atlanta. Where are the yeah. Palmetto Bug uh, uh, salads? I don't know. You'll
0: have to start a food truck. Yeah, based on that.
1: So, like we said, the uh, it it all comes down to energy. It comes down to predation and cannibalism is basically a pet predator prey interaction within a species. So it's a member of this species preying on a member of another uh, of the same species. Okay. So, like uh, you know, when you get into discussions of oh, did. Uh, did, uh, you know, humans eat Neander- Neanderthals and did the Neanderthals eat humans? That's not really cannibalism. It's kind of creepy, but it's still, it's, it would be two different species. Right. Eating each other. Uh, okay. or one, you know, that's, that's a whole separate podcast there. Okay. But that would be uh, like
0: me eating you.
1: Right. Same species. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't worry. But let's hope it doesn't come to that.
0: Right. So w- there are different types of cannibalism, right? So there's, um, something called siblicide.
1: Yes. This is uh, most commonly seen in the sand tiger shark. Um and um uh, this is a situation where the animal has two uteri and uh, each one produces a number of eggs and but each each litter yields just two pups, one for each uterus.
0: Okay, so there's some competitiveness there.
1: Yeah, these um the, the little <laughs> embryos have embryonic teeth. So you have all these little, uh, you know, unborn brothers and sisters in there, and it's, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, it's like each one is like a battle royale of, uh, you know, who's going to be the toughest. So it's they like just kind of, uh, you know, chomp down on each other, and at the end of it, you have one shark pup left standing.
0: Huh. Okay. And and so they're hungry. They've got teeth. Um, it actually reminds me of Dwight Schrute from The Office. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever. Watch
1: it. I, I do watch it. I, I don't remember the the quote.
0: Yeah, he said that he actually absorbed his own twin brother, so he <laughs> therefore had the strength of a man and a baby. Oh wow. Yeah. So I guess it would be like the Dwight Schrute's of the animal world.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could you could think of this as the Schrute factor. Right. So, uh, so the so these two uh, t- uh, sand tiger sharks end up emerging with strength, <laughs> with with a very Schrute-like uh, veracity right. to uh, help them, uh, you know, ensure their survival. Yeah. Approximately 14 species of shark are thought to practice some form of this cannibalism. But the, uh, the sand tiger shark is the, is the one that we've studied the most and, okay. uh, and, and we have the most down on. Um, now, it, it, you know, it, one of the things to keep in mind about procreation in the animal kingdom is that, uh, especially sexual reproduction, it's like a huge energy, um, uh, waste, yeah. well, not necessarily a waste, but let's say it's an investment, a huge investment because, uh, just look at humans, for instance. Think of all the energy that goes into sexual selection. You know, whole products. You know, people, especially, you know, how, how much time do teenagers waste on sexual selection? Enormous amount of time. They, they don't know how they get anything done. Indeed. And, uh. How do they study? I know. Apparently they don't. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess they do. But anyway, uh, energy, uh, for the sex act itself. Then there's, uh, then on the mother's part, there's the energy to bring the offspring to term. The energy to give birth. And then the energy to raise the child till it can fend for itself. Right. Because remember, the, the genetic mission is basically create another, uh, you know, another creature,
0: replicate your DNA,
1: replicate the DNA, keep that strain of DNA going, and then uh, you know, put this new uh, product on the market and let it, you know, carry on on its own.
0: Right. Right. And so all these niceties like playing it, um, you know, Mozart in the uterus aren't necessarily their focus. Right. Just get it out there. Get it going.
1: But in But in a way, it's like make sure it's like the best, you know, the best possible. Uh, and instead of eating, uh the sharks in the womb, is you know potentially listening to Mozart, right? Right. Yeah. So um, I also like to think of think of this in terms of uh, of like a business, like if uh, if how stuff works were to launch, like a like some sort of separate entity. Okay. Like uh, I don't know um, how crabs work or something. Like we we're going to do a site that's just about crabs, and we're like, this is going to be, it's going to be like how stuff works, except it's only going to focus on crabs. It would be kind of like the company's offspring, right?
0: Okay, so So it'd be like all crabs all the time, crab fashions, crab recipes, crab right. science.
1: But the, but the, but the existing business has a certain amount of energy already tied up into it. To, right. you know, a certain number of employees, right? So, let's say, well, okay, we're gonna have one, one employee go off to be the editor of this new site. Another to be the writer, another to be the marketing guide, another to be the, you know, the programmer, uh, et cetera. All the things that, that can make it what it is. And it has to, uh, and in where it's like forming this new entity of itself, right? Okay. So it's this this huge energy invest and and um this huge energy investment. And if that doesn't work, then one of two things are going to happen: either all those people are going to lose their jobs, or they're going to be absorbed back into the parent company. Okay. Or at least that's my my understanding. They're going to be shrewded. Yeah, they're going to be shrewded. Okay. So um. That that leads us to another type of cannibalism that's uh, pretty com- really <laughs> very common, and that's the eating of one's own young. Yeah. Which again is one of these kind of like terrifying type of things. There's the classic image. Is it uh, Cronus, the uh, the god of time? Yeah, eating uh, his own son.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: And yeah. then like then I'm 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 a little shaky on this particular story from um, uh, mythology, but there's a famous painting of it, and uh, there's I think Zeus like was able to like, somebody snuck Zeus away by putting a rock in there so that, uh, so that he would eat the rock instead of baby Zeus.
0: Of course. Yeah. yeah. Cause Zeus was all about, uh, killing the young, his young. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, so anyway, it's, it's another sort of terrifying idea, you know, that the, oh my goodness, the mother is the life bringer. And then, you know, and, and if you've ever had hamsters or, uh, or any other, t- uh, you know, kind of, uh, animal like that that ends up killing its young and or mm-hmm. eating them, it can be kind of a terrifying, uh, moment. But it makes a lot of sense from an energy standpoint. Right. From a survival. Right. Basic. Yeah. There, you know, there's inner energy has been expended to create these, uh, these new, uh, creatures and there are calories wrapped up in them. So you bring them back into the fold, right?
0: Right. Okay. Well, I'm actually thinking to, um, sort of related to that, there's the masked booby, which is a bird. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, what?
0: Yes. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. I knew I couldn't just say masked Boobie.
1: Yeah, you've got to, you got to run these by me and, uh, yeah, and I know. It, I gotta so t- I won't I've got to give
0: them. you a, um, a hint there. Okay. But, um, okay, so getting that aside, the masked booby okay. is actually a bird and it's indigenous to the Galapagos Islands. And, uh, that's a case where the parents, it, it's a case of sib eating, right? So okay. There, there are two siblings. Um, but that's a case where the parents actually step in and they encourage them to kill one of the other off. Whoa. Yeah. And they actually, the odds are stacked um, in favor of their eldest. So they, they it's sort of like a, uh, akin to getting them into a match and seeing, like a chicken fight, and seeing uh-huh. who's going to come out best. And the the reason for that is the the very same, which is, you know, you want to put all your effort into the sibling that's going to survive and has the best chance of carrying on. It's, I mean, it, it sounds harsh, but.
1: When it comes wow. back to that. So anybody out there that is in kind of a, uh, a Bluth family type situation where they feel like their mom and or dad are stirring, uh, competition, up, uh, uh, just be glad that they're not encouraging you to kill and eat each other.
0: That's right. Be glad that you're not a masked booby. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, but just to give you an idea of how many different, uh, animals engage in this. And it's also, uh, you'll also uh, see, um, uh, for instance, sharks will practice, um, uh, the eating they'll end up eating eggs that haven't been fertilized yeah (laughs) Um, and sometimes the eggs will be uh, eaten that have been fertilized but you'll see uh, you'll see this form of catabolism in uh, protozoa slime molds sea slugs insects spiders fish reptiles they've uh, observed it in dinosaur fossils um Bats, seals, sea lions, otters, polar bears, even otters, yes. No, otters are cute. cute. Little otters. Yeah, imagine one, uh, you know, cannibalizing another. Uh, it's, it, it I won't. or eating its young. It, it happens. It never shows up in the, the cute pictures, but, uh, tigers, chimpanzees, uh, you know, amphibians, uh, at least a hundred species of mammals, and uh, in all, and of course, hamsters. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're most known for it. Don't tap on the glass. <laughs> uh, which leads us to, uh, the re- some of the reasons. Um, you know, why would a mother hamster suddenly decide that she needs to uh, slay all her offspring and uh, eat some of them?
0: I don't know. Maybe she had way too many. And exactly. that's too much energy to expend right. on, on a broad that big.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like if you, uh, uh you know, to use the sort of clunky business uh, analogy from earlier, it's like if you suddenly created this enormous side project with way too many employees You're like, whoa, this is going to fail. This doesn't make, make sense. It's not going to bring in enough money on its own to to support that. Right. So we got to, we got to bring some, if not all of these employees back into the fold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And some of them too, if they're, if they're born with, um, a disease Mm -hmm. or they're not quite up to par, isn't that another reason to sort of cull down the, the broad is to take out the ones that are the the weakest and, 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 and use them for energy for yeah. everybody
1: else. Yeah, like uh, female rattlesnakes, for instance, will consume uh, on average uh, about 11% of their uh, postpartum mass. Um, mostly uh, these are going to be stillborn or just non-viable offspring. So, again, it's like they have all these offspring. It's all about, like, let's keep the species going. Let's keep the, the DNA going. Yeah, You're going to want to invest in the ones that are the best candidates.
0: I mean, you know, it's disgusting to us, but it really is practical if you think about it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you take the anthropomorphic-ness out of it,
1: yeah, it's like you know, it's the base, it's the basic mission, the genetic mission, and the uh, the the energy logic tied to it. And it, yeah, if you strip away all the, uh, the the layers that human culture has put on top of it, then yeah, it's it makes perfect sense.
0: You know, just as a as a side observation or question, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about mammals who eat their placentas after birth, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm wondering if they ever. Uh, cannibalize their young. If maybe they just get eating the, carried away. Well, no, I'm wondering if maybe the eating the placenta actually um, serves a need uh, of of eating some sort of protein and getting some energy source back. Huh. And and instead of eating their young, they they eat their placenta.
1: I, I think it would make, yeah it would make perfect sense. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I have that's a question. If anybody knows the answer to that, that would love to know.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, another great example of this uh, comes uh, in uh, invasive cane toads in Australia. And, uh, these are just some, <laughs> these are some, some crazy animals because you'll have a uh, small and medium sized, but not large cane toads. And they'll wave a long middle toe, uh, off their hind foot <laughs> up and down in the water. And they're doing this, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to catch other, um, toads. And then the cane toad larva will actively seek out toad eggs of the same species to eat. So there's just like a lot of cannibalism wow. going on in cane toads. In fact, um and again they're invasive and they're a huge problem in australia and uh they they found a 2010 study found that uh this was actually uh um, encouraging them to spread because a mother toad would end up uh you know wanting to lay her eggs in a, a virgin um a pond or, uh, or a little uh, stream or whatever just to in- encourage uh just just to protect it from other cane toads
0: oh wow yeah okay.
1: so it's like you know you're. It just ends up, you know, oh, we gotta find new water, new water to, uh, to, for these eggs to develop in so they're not eaten by all the other cane toads. Uh, but they think that, the, that they might be able to, uh, to draw the, uh, uh the chemical that, uh, the eggs shed, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that attracts the, uh, the other cane toads and okay. use that as some sort of a bait. So, like a pheromone or something yeah,
0: yeah. similar to that. I just can't get over the, Image of like all these toes (laughs) pointing up in the water like synchronized swimmers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure that's happening.
1: This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. So, yeah, we could keep going and just listing all sorts of weird and um, and grotesque examples of uh, mothers eating their own young but uh we should probably move on into another fascinating area of cannibalism uh, uh and definitely a sexier area of cannibalism sexual cannibalism oh yeah yeah which sounds like a great great name for a band if it is not used already to uh, draw back to a uh, to an example that we brought up in a previous uh podcast or one about uh, uh ladies night on planet earth about uh the, the role that the male has in, uh, in any given species. Right. We mentioned the, uh, the brown antechinus, uh, which is uh, also known as uh, McLehy's Mac- uh, marsupial mouse. And this is the male that mates for 12 hours at a time and eventually he humps himself to death. Uh, and then he's, you know, his mouth, he's not another mouth to feed uh, through the winter. Right. Like the species can then just focus on, you know, mother raising the young. All the men are dead. Uh, you know, until next season.
0: Yeah. I think maybe I, I said that he was that sort of relegated to like being the pool boy Yeah, for the female.
1: So that being the case, uh, sexual uh, cannibalism o- occurs when the female eats her mate during or immediately after uh, the sex act.
0: Which happens a lot. Yeah.
1: Apparently. And, and again, it's like, if you look at the, uh, the male as merely a mutation necessary for a sexual reproduction, He's, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of, uh, use after that, uh, that sexual encounter. So again, that's, that's energy that's just wasted. So it, it reminds me of like when a company brings on contract workers. For a project that has a like a short term goal. Yes. They're like, we need to get this project done, but we don't want to like hire six guys and then have to pay them or and gals and have to pay them benefits, uh, et cetera. Right. So let's just bring them on as contract workers. And then in six months, we're done. So it's kind of like the male in these cases. It's a contract worker. And at the when they're not needed anymore, they're like, go.
0: And they're they're submitting themselves to this process willingly because they want to make sure that their offspring survive. Is that the idea behind this? What the mating? Yeah, that that they would say, okay, yeah, I will mate with you, knowing that you're going to say you're a praying mantis, you're going to rip my head off, and then consume me as I'm mating you.
1: Well, it's interesting. I was reading some stuff about this, and uh, most in most cases, the male, I mean, the male's going to mate. That's uh, am I right, ladies, the, the male is uh, the I mean, that's the, the male's mission. Right. So he's he's going to engage in that. But you'll also see, uh, like with praying mantises, the the males will try and survive uh, within you know their limited ability to do so. Uh, and it's also there's kind of, it's kind of exaggerated in most uh, praying mantises, mm-hmm. I understand, uh, because a lot of the um, the early uh, studies into this, you had females in captivity who had not eaten as much as they'd want to so uh, it's kind of like they were voracious yeah they were voracious they're, they're hungry yeah and so here's right this left. um this mantis and you know they're uh, he's done his part or is doing his part and he can continue doing his part generally pretty well even with his head eaten off mm-hmm. so they just go for it they say that typically uh praying mantis uh, cannibalistic mating process only occurs 5 to 31% of the time and uh and it occurs most often if the female is hungry Okay. Yeah. And so most, most species are only going to cannibalize regularly in captivity. But there's one species, uh, the Mantis religiosa, um, which is, uh, uh, which is really into it. And it's necessary that the head be removed for the mating process to, to, uh, to take effect properly. So, uh, and, and in these cases, the female typically eats a third of her partners. And uh, she eats even more, uh, in the lab if the male can't escape. Okay. But that's the thing. The male will try and escape. Uh, it's just you know a third of the time he's uh, he he doesn't have a chance.
0: Yeah, I think it was the mantises I was reading about that uh, there was some suggestion that they had evolved to sort of almost create a, a belt like effect in their abdomen region, mm-hmm. so that they were drawing in all of their major organs as tightly inward as possible, so that the fangs wouldn't get. Oh, to them wow. very easily.
1: So they can keep processes going at least to complete the Yeah, path, you know? yeah,
0: exactly. So they can they can mate longer without dying. But it's interesting, um I was actually thinking about this too. Harvard biologist Stephen J. Gould, he had thought that uh that it wasn't as widespread as it actually we know it is now. Mm-hmm. And his idea was that Are you, are
1: you saying uh, sexual cannibalism or cannibalism in general? Sexual can- okay. cannibalism.
0: Uh, I think it was very, it must have been very troubling to him because he sort of came <laughs> up with all these different ideas about it. But the the main crux of it was that maybe it wasn't as widespread as it actually is and that the female had just mistaken her mate as prey. Which I thought was really funny because I mean moments before the praying mantis was, you know, filling his wings and showing his abs, his six-pack and you know, <laughs> then began mating with her and, and the, the idea that she just sort of forgot what she was doing and turned around and went, wow, pray.
1: Wow. Maybe, and maybe he just said he had like a really horrible, um, you know, girlfriend at some point and he was like, like, wow, like somebody that just like snaps at the, you know? And so he was like, all women must be like this, regardless of species.
0: It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely some overreaching there.
1: Now, there's one pati- you'll you'll find uh, sexual cannibalism in a number of arachnids and, and insects, but it's particularly interesting in the redback spider. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a relative of the the black widow, and uh, the males, first of all, are really tiny. Like it's one of these cases where where the uh, the whole you know the whole case for males is just being a you know a, a mutation necessary to procreation and not being the species itself. Right. Really op- opposite. I mean, really, it's really. Obvious in this particular species because the male is just tiny, looks like an entirely different animal. Okay. Uh in the in the uh the female is enormous. And the male is a willing participant in the sexual cannibalism. Alright. So during copulation, this uh the the little male guy, he'll position himself um above the female's jaws. Alright. And uh and uh and and, you know, basically like shove himself into her jaws so that she gets to eat him. Uh, and, uh, and they believe that it's, uh, it's favored in sexual so, uh, selection because the, uh, the sexual, the cannibalized spiders received two, uh, uh, different advantages. First of all, cannibalized males copulate longer and fertilize more eggs than those that survive. Okay. And then also, uh, the females were more likely to reject subsequent suitors if they consumed a mate. So, uh,
0: This makes sense. Uh, I think they were talking about it as a sort of like, uh, a sperm plug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. n- not to get racy about it or anything, yeah. but basically that, you know, they had made their deposit and that, you know, any other males after that wouldn't necessarily be successful.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting because, like, we're looking at these other uh, the, the cases of sexual um, cannibalism, and the male really doesn't necessarily have any – there's no argument for the male sticking around and being eaten For the uh, you know the advancement of the species and the and and him passing on his DNA, but this is a case where there's a definite advantage if he gives himself up to uh, you know to the appetite of his mate.
0: Yeah, and I thought something that um, was really dramatic that I read is that they one account said that they actually somersault. Onto the (laughs) (laughs) fangs. We're just like, take me, please, eat me. And then the other thing that I read is that, um, during the mating process, that they pluck the strings on the, the female's web for like eight hours. Oh. And I know, it's, and I thought that is kind of sweet, but then I kind of thought, well, maybe she was like, God, that is driving me crazy. I'm going (laughs) to eat you.
1: These, these, these guys are so nice. And then the, the, the lady spiders are so hard on them. It's just a,
0: Oh no. Yep. It's it's a rough life. And then there's the the orb weed weaving spider, orb weaving, um, in which the male sexual organ gets stuck in the female. And okay. this is by design. Okay. Again, it's the same idea of a sort of a sperm plug. So all although she can polish him off and, you know, <laughs> snack on them. She's stuck with them, so to speak. And that just makes sure that she can't mate with someone else afterwards. So huh. there's definite design behind this. I don't think that they're just being masochistic here.
1: Yeah. It's not the situation where the insect world is just like, you know, evil or anything. No. It, no. it all makes, makes uh, sense in the grand scheme of things. Now, um, moving away from, uh, from sexual cannibalism, you'll also find plenty of animals that just seem to be kind of jerks, like kind of anti, anti-social jerks. Yeah. And if they encounter anything, they're probably, you know, they're either going to run from it or try and kill it. And if it's one of their own, they're probably going to try and either mate with it or kill it or mate with it and kill it. So, um, the score, like various scorpions are great examples of this. Like scorpions tend to live very solitary lives. And, uh, if they encounter another scorpion of the same variety, then there's a very good chance that they'll that one will eat the other one, and if they're opposite sex and uh, you know, and it's uh, you know, and they see it as a good time to mate, then they may mate, and then one will eat the other.
0: Wow, these are jerks. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the Komodo dragon is is of course another great example of uh, of just being a cannibal just for the heck of it, because uh, the uh, the young uh, the, the Komodo dragon uh, young are just considered prey. Um, you know, up until uh, they're a certain size. So, so,
0: primarily raised for prey?
1: Well, not, not primarily raised <laughs> for prey, but they're, um, they're just, the, the, the parents have no role in, mm-hmm. in rearing them after they've been born. So, they just have to climb the trees to escape.
0: Their oh, oh, parents. Yeah,
1: to escape their parents. Otherwise, the parents will eat them. They're like, oh, look at those guys. They look tasty. I'm hungry. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, the one thing they can do to, uh, besides hiding in the treetops is if they smear themselves in excrement. Then, uh, then that will keep, uh, the, uh, the, the, their parents from potentially eating them.
0: That does actually work. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Um, Komodo Dragons 2, I, I remember something with Sharon Stone's husband some years back.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Didn't,
0: didn't they dine on her husband's foot?
1: I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I think they went like a, a behind the scenes or something and he, and he went to go pet it. Yeah, that just seems like a bad idea.
1: Yeah, I, I understand it really scarred him. He's been, uh, I mean, uh, emotionally to the right. point where he he always keeps himself smeared in uh, Komodo excrement. excrement yeah. yeah, especially on vacation.
0: I guess that's why their relationship didn't work out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and of course you'll find plenty of cases where um, animals of, uh, of 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 various form uh, will be more than willing to eat their own dead uh, after they've right. been killed by another you know species. You know, alligator crocodile comes across a dead uh, you know creature of the same species it's food they'll eat it a uh, number of scavengers uh, like vultures uh, etc they, they see the food they'll eat it and even you know humans um throughout throughout history you have uh, situations where humans have eaten their own dead in uh, cases of survival cannibalism right um some of those cases are a little um controversial like uh, i've i've read cases for and against the um uh, the Donner Party cannibalism thing actually happening. Right,
0: cause there were no actual witnesses. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, uh, but then you also have the, uh, the case of the, the soccer team and alive, um, and the, uh, and the actual events that that movie uh, and book were based on where, you know, they're, they're in a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the, there are these dead bodies and really on a very logical level, those bodies are energy. And if you're in a situation where it's life or death, you're going to consume that energy.
0: Right. And I think that's the important thing to think about is that it, it really is in extreme conditions, right. In, yeah. in with humans as it has happened. And in nature, I mean, food is scarce. Um, but you know, you can always look over at someone and say, Hmm, he would be a good protein source.
1: Yeah. And in nature, it tends to be a lot. It's a lot more life and death, obviously. Uh, especially with these cases we're looking at in the ocean where, where competition is tremendous. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of our, our fascination with cannibalism is that it is, we, we largely, a lot of us anyway, live in a time where it's really hard to imagine such a desperate situation and it's, and that would necessitate this kind of return to our primal roots and our basic programming.
0: Yeah, actually, wasn't it Ted Turner who, n- not too long ago, uh, warned everybody that we'd become cannibalists if, uh, if we didn't address the global warming situation? Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, of course it drew outrage, but, wow. uh, it was certainly a way to get people to pay attention to the problem. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, I actually, um, yeah, I actually heard that they, um, the, the Ted's Montana Grills, they actually had, um, these, uh, these statues of people that they were going to start rolling out in place of the buffalo. <laughs> if that cannibalism thing were, cause you know, I mean, Ted's a savvy businessman. So, yeah. if cannibalism becomes a new thing. Then uh, Ted's Montana Grill is going to pick up on it. Yeah, of it.
0: course. That's a brilliant idea. Um, but what about primates? I mean, that's, to me, primates and cannibalism is, um, It's one of those things I can't help but anthropomorphize because I think that we look at them Mm -hmm. and see so much of ourselves in them, and and they do cannibalize one another from time to time.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's especially um, with primates, yeah, you see some very disturbing uh, acts, you know, and, and they're more disturbing because they resemble us more. Right, and uh, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, see, you'll see chimpanzees, uh, even gor- gorillas and orangutans. There are cases where they're, you know, suspected of eating their own young. Uh, you know, and we've seen plenty of cases of where chimpanzees have uh, have, have demonstrated their uh, capacity for quote unquote cruelty uh, mm-hmm. towards uh, other chimpanzees. Um,
0: but will they? I know that sometimes when they're uh, fighting, that they'll kill each other. But when they're fighting, they don't necessarily eat the body afterward. Is that right?
1: right uh, or yeah not necessarily will they eat it
0: so it's it's more um i guess if they come along a deceased chimpanzee or other type of ape and they actually
1: just eat it yeah and chimpanzees typically the males will kill and eat the infant of another female usually in their own group but occasionally in another okay and uh, when chimps kill adults from other groups in a fight they don't eat the body
0: okay yeah. and i remember this too that they they might eat the infant to um, force the chimpanzee into estrus so that they can go ahead and propagate again is that right I believe so yeah. yeah so the infant may not have been their infant but they want to go ahead and mate and get the process rolling
1: right uh, now it's uh it, it's interesting when you start looking at um, at, at especially at uh, at primates eating one another in different cases you know throughout history there're confidently studies arguing for and against the the uh, um, you know, just how much cannibalism was going on with, prehist- uh, with uh, you know, prehistoric humans. But um, anthropologist uh, William Ahrens uh, suggests it's simply a bad strategy as far as evolution goes, though. Like since uh, under evolutionary theory, we're f- fueled by that, you know, innate desire to see our genes survive. You know, eating another one of your, you know, your tribe and your species, that doesn't really make sense. You know, it's, right. it's going, it's working against our, uh, our basic programming. And uh, and, and another uh, interesting thing to, ke- to keep in mind is, uh, you know, you, you may think, well, why don't humans just raise, you know, why, why don't humans raise humans for food, right? Or, or how how come you don't have, uh, you know, cases where um, cannibalism becomes a, a staple, staple of any species diet? Um, though it is worth pointing out that uh, cannibalism can play a huge role in a diet. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to the scorpions here for a second. There was a 1980 study of desert scorpions, and they found that cannibalism provided only the uh, fourth most common meal for a scorpion. But, in, but as far as body mass goes, it was the number one, representing more than 25% of its uh, total food intake. Uh, okay. So, so, yeah. So, in, in the case of the scorpion, yes, uh, cannibalism can provide a large part of its uh, diet. But uh, in humans, you see a different uh, situation.
0: Yeah, in humans, uh, nature does not necessarily like for us to practice cannibalism, and uh, I think that you can see that pretty well illustrated in the four tribe. Is that right with the kuru?
1: Yes, kuru is a um, yeah, it's a rare breed of disorder caused by what are called prions, and these are abnormal proteins which uh, induce irregular protein folding in brain cells. And, uh, this leads to flawed brain tissue, which results in progressive, incurable brain damage. Uh, the word itself, Kuru, means laughing disease, uh, in its name because the scientists observed, uh, fits of hysterical laughing in those affected. So it's pretty, uh, pretty dramatic tr- traumatic stuff. Um.
0: And so this is, this came on because the tribe was basically practicing endocannibalism. Right. Is that right? Yeah. With the funeral rites. They were consuming the body, which, you know, isn't because they were Looking for a source of protein, but because they, it was a way to respect the deceased, to literally absorb them.
1: Right, and it, it, it's it's interesting. This is a case where if you if you start thinking about cannibalism in a very logical, you know, energy sort of, uh, uh, you know. Uh, thing then uh eating one's ancestors does kind of make it makes sense as like a way to honor them it's like i'm inviting their energy back into me and uh and that's that's pretty much how but how symbolically, these, they look at it. Would yes. be great. <laughs> yeah, symbolically it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um and on a basic energy level it's it's not bad either but the the thing is it's kind of uh it it really opens the door for the passage of uh, disease.
0: Right. And so this is sort of like the mad cow equivalent is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, mad cow is a similar disorder as is so I'm gonna just take a shot at this uh creutzfeldt Jacobs disease. Creutzfeldt. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, this okay sounds with better that. than what I did. Uh, and this is a human variant of mad cow disease. And uh, they basically, like with the foray, they were basically able to uh, to to wipe out the the disease by simply getting them to stop practicing this communal cannibalism. Right,
0: like literally overnight. Yeah, they got them to to eradicate this from yeah. the tribe. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, and basically it's like, hey guys, you know when you're. uh uh, your family members uh, go stark raving mad and are laughing at nothing and then die. Well, that comes from the cannibalism. So let's cut that out. It's they're like, pretty, what? They're like, well, you know, we weren't too we weren't that crazy about the cannibalism. <laughs> we can we can set that aside.
0: Well, I guess it's also in, in nature a little bit of a concern for primates, too, because they sometimes will consume a body as a group. Right. Spreading potentially a disease, something like hepatitis. Right. Um, And I did want to. I had a side note about bonobos, um, mm-hmm. which is an ape, and uh, they're sometimes called the hippie ape because they um, are fun-loving, and they love to mate so without discretion. It's like the key parties in the 70s Yeah, are they
1: are the bonobo, along with the humans and the dolphins, only animals that uh, in- actually enjoy sex.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> hence called the hippie ape. I don't know. Um, do hippie apes enjoy sex with one another? I don't know. But uh, something that was pretty disconcerting is that they were observed pretty recently to, in the wild to have consumed one of their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this is the anthropomorphic thing where we look at them and we say, oh, but, but they're just peace-loving and they just love to have sex with each other. Why are they eating each other? Um, but they would be a good example of primates um, taking the body and eating it. And they actually... Ate that body for more than seven hours, um, which is a lot longer than they would take on any other body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some of the people in the group, or the individuals, I guess you would say, right. yeah, people, uh, were actually playing with the food. So, um, it, it's a, it's an interesting side note in that, uh, it's an odd occurrence for bonobos to be doing that and in, in the way that they did. And of course, you could extrapolate that it's some sort of, uh, funeral right but then that wouldn't really be correct because we just don't know what they were doing but it's also a good example of how that disease could be transmitted through the group
1: right now and, and it's easy to though to fall into the trap of saying well then this is a great case of where you know can you know nature abhors cannibalism and that you know cannibalism of this nature of this you know communal communal cannibalism is just poison um and And, you know, maybe, you know, you could still make that case, but uh, I was looking at a 2006 uh, University of Virginia study, and they found that cannibalism uh, is actually only documented as the predominant transmission mode uh, of a disease in very few species. Um, Yeah, even even through, uh, you know, specific instances of cannibalistic transmission um, that that have been noted, Um, like basically... It, the only two cases they found were the prion transmission right. in humans that we mentioned earlier, and a um, a kind of protozoa uh, based uh, illness in lizards.
0: Oh right, yeah. yeah. And do you think this is because most cannibalism is one on one as opposed to a, a group situation? Like the, the the group cannibalism is more of an outlier.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I th- yeah, and also I think it's uh, it it also comes down to like cannibalism, like you know a disease is going to needs to spread. It's got the same genetic mission as, as, as any organism. Right. So it needs, it needs a, a road it can count on. Right. So the, the idea of some sort of disease, depending exclusively on cannibalism, it, it largely doesn't make sense. It's okay. just not a, not an economic way of going about it. So like, so, um, you know, for instance, in the study in other cases of cannibalistic d- disease transmission, uh, and there were others, alternate disease transmission modes existed. Um, so, it's like the, you know, hepatitis or something. Hepatitis isn't depending exclusively on group cannibalism to spread, but if that door's open, it'll gladly <laughs> gladly take it. Right, you know? right. Not to personify the uh, the illness too much.
0: No, so. no. So I guess that the, talking about um, not trying to anthropomorphize, ultimately you can't get back around to this question. Aren't we sort of all cannibals on some level or another?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you look at things like... Um, you know, anything from a blood transfusion to, uh, you know, organ transplant. I mean, it's, it again kind of comes down to, uh, the, the energy, uh, uh, situation. It's like we're, we're taking energy out and storing it. We're harvesting energy that it can, uh, that is otherwise going to be wasted and bringing it back into ourselves. Yeah. Um, there are a few interesting cases in, uh, in, uh, traditional Chinese medicine where you have, uh, what they call taibo. That's T A I B A O. Nothing to do with, uh, the, uh,
0: uh martial arts <laughs> exercise. Yeah, videos. N- nothing to
1: do with that, <laughs> but, uh, but this is a particular medicine that involves uh, something uh, uh, also referred to as a bordis because it's uh, it's uh, harvested from uh, from fetuses. Uh, and this is according to uh, Mary Roach in her book Stiff. She goes into this a little and explores yeah. uh, this whole chapter on cannibalism uh, and the use of materials from corpses in medicine in that book. So I highly recommend checking that out.
0: Yeah, and there's regenerative medicine, too, basically taking tissue to grow new tissue. Right, yeah. Know, so... I don't know, chew on that, I suppose.
1: Yes, indeed. So, hey, if you want to, uh, to learn more about this again, check out Josh Clark's article, How Cannibalism Works. It's great. It's a multi-page, uh, feast, and you'll want to eat up every page of it. And, uh, come check us out on Twitter and Facebook, where, uh, you can find us as Blow the Mind. And in, and indeed, I encourage you, if you're a fan of the show, uh, check out that Facebook page, uh, and click the like button, uh, You'll make us very happy.
0: Yeah, that would be great. And if you've got thoughts on cannibalism, you can also email us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The StuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.